Hey, my name is Jake Wood. I serve here at JFC. A uh, couple things. If you're listening to this and you've been blessed by a message or a podcast, uh, we'd love to hear about how that has blessed you. Feel free to connect with us at mystory@jfc.org. Also, if this has blessed you and you'd like to give towards uh, the ministries here at JFC, uh, you can do that through the app or log on to jfc.org forward slash give. And lastly, uh, we're in a message series called Colossians 3.23, and it's talking about God in the workplace. We think you're really going to enjoy it. Be blessed. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. Do it for the Lord and not for men. Good morning, JFC. How are you guys doing today? Great. So good to have you guys here today. I want to welcome all of you here to Jubilee Fellowship Church. Welcome all of our campuses, everybody else listening in online. My name is DJ. I'm the campus pastor over at Lakewood Campus. And it's truly an honor and a privilege to be speaking God's word to you today as part of this Colossians 3.23 series. Uh, before we jump in, though, I want to do a couple of quick things. One is, uh, as you guys heard, Life Day is coming up in just under three weeks, and we've had a number of businesses uh, help us make it truly great this year by sponsoring Life Day. And uh, we're trying to highlight one of those businesses drawn uh, out of a hat each weekend. And so I wanted to highlight uh, this weekend's sponsor uh, award winner, and that is Antero Automotive and Truck Services. That's uh, Andy Emery and his wife, and they're just a great couple who attends our church and truly sees their business as a kingdom entity and has chosen to make a difference and chosen to contribute to this great event. So if you're looking for a mechanic or whatnot, I actually had my Jeep service there not long ago. They did a great job with that, took great care of me. They're over at I-25 in Arapahoe. So uh, go check them out. Also wanted to do one thing real quickly, and that is I wanted to ask all of you who are in full-time ministry to take a quick second stand to your feet right now at all of our campuses. Uh, full-time ministry, uh, please stand to your feet. Uh, don't be shy. Let it, can we just honor these guys real quick? Thank them for what you're doing. All of our campuses, you may be seated, all right? Uh, second part of this. I want to ask you, if you did not just stand up, I want you to stand to your feet. Go ahead. Don't be shy. If you remain seated just a moment ago at all of our campuses, stand to your feet. Now look around. You guys are God's army to transform the marketplace. You guys are in full-time ministry. You guys are God's frontline warriors to invade and transform the marketplace with his presence, with his character, and with his love. And I'm truly humbled. I'm truly humbled to stand here in your presence, thinking about the potential and the possibility and even what's already happening behind the scenes in things that you thought, ah, this isn't even really this is just something that I just prayed with that person on the side or I just, you know, helped that person out, something financially on the side or I just did that on the side. That's not really ministry. Yes, it is. And if there's one thing I want you to hear, if you're gonna go back to, you know, playing Angry Birds or whatever it is nowadays on your phone, I want you to understand God has called you to be his partner 
in marketplace ministry and to help him invade and transform the marketplace. Can we go give, give God a hand as we're seated? You guys may be seated. I'm telling you what, uh, you're in good company if you uh, are a marketplace minister. Now, I have also been a marketplace minister and uh, my sort of marketplace minister career had a very rapid incline sort of, you know, into incredible influence uh, and then a sort of a quick decline as well. But um, really the apex of it was when I worked at the donut shop uh, my freshman year of college. And uh, man, I, you know, I was, you know, impacting people left and right at, from 2 to 5 p.m. at the donut shop. It was the afternoon shift. As you can imagine, not a whole lot of people come into the donut shop. But I did discover this one thing, which was a cylinder-shaped or cone-shaped device in the back room that um, had a little pointy sort of straw sticking out of the bottom, stainless steel, and a little lever on it. And this incredible thing happened, I discovered. God helped, led my steps, literally, to discover this. You would put any type of pastry and shove it into that little stainless steel straw at the bottom. You would pull down on the lever. And I kid you not, every single time, Bavarian cream would be infused into the long john. And I can't prove it, but I still think I would have the Guinness Book of World Records heaviest long john ever created. Because I discovered one time I shoved it in there, I'm like all the way in, and then I'm like, You know, normally they get like one or two pumps. I did like a seven pump Bavarian cream, huge thing. It was amazing. But you know, my, my level of influence in the marketplace was much more limited than yours is. I believe that many of you sitting here, maybe you are working at a donut shop, but that's awesome because I want to encourage you, God can use you there. Some of you obviously have made your way to other areas of influence within the marketplace, but God has a word for you today. And you are in good company. Looking back at scripture, I think sometimes we sanitize the Bible and the word of God. We think, man, that was just a different day back then. That was a different, those were different times. Those were different people. They didn't really deal with the pressures we faced. They didn't deal with, you know, people cussing all around them or telling nasty, dirty stories or, you know, frowning upon you when you pray over your meal, trying to, you know, discreetly, eyes open. Thank you, Lord, for this sandwich, you know, or whatever. But here's the deal. I want you to know that's not true. God's chosen men and women throughout the word of God and throughout history are just like you. God's movers and shakers are just like you sitting here today and at all of our campuses. When you look at people like Luke, he was in the medicine field, right? He was a practicing doctor. People like Deborah, she was in the military. She was a pretty tough cookie, brought great deliverance through military strength to the people of God. What about Paul the apostle? He was in commercial real estate and tenant improvements, you know, they'd be like, I want my tent to be a double wide so I can sell my pots and pans in the marketplace. He'd be like, all right, okay, I think, yeah. We'll put a little side thing here with a little, you know, extra little flap. He did tenant improvements. What about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus? High school student, maybe high school dropout, I don't know. Single mom. She's known for saying, man, I believe what's inside of me can truly change the world. And it was true in her case. What about Lydia? Ever heard of Lydia? She's a lady in the book of Acts who helped establish the church in Philippi when the apostle Paul was traveling around. But if she were around today, she'd be working for Vogue magazine because she was in the fashion industry. She literally worked with clothing and, and dye, you know, dyeing clothes, different colors and so forth. What about Jesus? What would he be doing if he were around today? I like to picture him at American Furniture Warehouse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
petting, maybe on the commercial, petting that big white tiger, American Furniture Warehouse. And he's like, buy tables, I make them, you know. And I look better than Jake Jebs on the commercial. But here's the deal. They were real men and women just like you and just like me. And God used them to move and shake and transform history. And God wants to do the same through you. Quick definition, marketplace minister, what is it? Marketplace is simply a place where goods and services are exchanged, right? We're all a part of it. We all go buy stuff. Maybe we sell stuff. Maybe we make stuff. Maybe we provide a service. Maybe we need services. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really kind of how the world goes around, right? People spend maybe a smaller amount of time kind of like in their little prayer closet, you know, put the flute music on, listen to God. But most of our lives are spent kind of in that place where we're out there doing, doing the thing, right? Living life. So that's the marketplace, or as I like to add, where people go to get stuff they need, right? That's my little paraphrase. Minister, simply one who serves. Very simple definition. It comes from a biblical word that, that, that really kind of alludes to a, a server at a restaurant, someone who serves food, right? But it's just one who serves, one who says, yes, I want to be available. I want to be someone who accomplishes God's purposes right here where he's placed me. I'm telling you what, if you just stood up a moment ago during the second part, or James, who knew where I was going with this whole thing, on the first part, God has made you a marketplace minister. He has called you to partner with him in invading and transforming the marketplace. So I wanted to look real quickly this morning. And when I say real quickly, like any preacher that says real quickly, it doesn't mean anything. But um, at what does that mean for us? Three simple things that I believe it means to be a marketplace minister. And the first one is that God is making you exceptional. God is making you exceptional. Now, I kind of wrestled with whether I should say God is making you or God has made you. They're both true. Um, I chose God is making you because I think it reminds us it's an ongoing process. But here's the deal. God has put the right stuff in you. You've got the right stuff, baby. <laughs> Just finding out who my old people are in the room. Okay, and at all of our campuses. God has put the right stuff in you. God has created you by design. He's crafted you with a purpose and you are unique. There's a lot of different, you know, personality tests and inventories and ways of sort of categorizing people into different groups. Some people are into that sort of thing. Some people aren't. I happen to be one of the ones who is. Um, and so let's just take, for example, the strength finder test that's produced by the Gallup Association. They list 34 different strengths, right? From achiever, people to get things done, to wooer, who kind of, you know, like the salespeople, or to context, which is looking at things in the context of history, or, you know, just all these kinds of different strengths. And they, you can take an inventory that costs quite a bit of money, but, you know, it'll line up all 34 of your strengths in, in sequence, from number one to number 34. And if I were to ask you, what do you think the odds would be that you would find another person who has the same top five strengths as you have? Not in any order, not in the same order, in any order, same top five strengths. What do you think that would be? The answer is it's one in 275,000. So take the London Olympic Stadium, which seats 80,000 people, and stack every person in every seat, and then put one person on their lap, and then another person on their lap, and that's the possibility when, with that number of people that you may find one other person that has the same five top strengths in any given order, not in the same order as you. What about in the same order? Just five, not 34, just five. It's one out of 33 million 
So roughly, just to let you know, 37 million is the population of Tokyo and all of its surrounding suburbs. One of the largest cities on the face of the planet. If you parachuted into that city, you may find one other person with the same top five strengths in the same order as you have, let alone the others all the way down to 34. Isn't it incredible? God has made us unique and has gifted us with certain strengths, certain ways of thinking, certain ways of processing, certain ways of making decisions, certain ways of taking in the world, certain ways of making our mark on the world in ways large and small. But God saw through time a conversation that you would be in, someone who would be sitting in a cubicle next to you, someone who would work for you, someone who would have you as an employee, and said, this is what's going to be effective. I'm going to take my son or my daughter and I'm going to equip them and I'm going to give them this personality and this way of looking at the world and I'm going to make them with these strengths and I'm going to put them right there so that when the time comes and they're in that conversation or they're dealing with that person, my love and my character can be shown through them. God has made you uniquely. You've got the right stuff in his hands to be his marketplace minister. He also wants to give you a winning attitude. This is really important if we're going to be effective as marketplace ministers. You see, in Genesis 1, verse 28, God told Adam and Eve, he blessed them. I said he blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So basically he was saying, hey, welcome to planet earth. I'm giving it to you. Good luck. Have fun. Try not to break everything. Kind of thing, right? You're my stewards. I'm leaving you in charge, right? It's kind of like, woo, let's jump on the beds, you know. But everything that we've done ever since, every aspect of the economy, every aspect of industry is really in some way trying to steward that. It's trying to say, okay, how do we get shelter over people? Well, there's got to be people that build stuff and there's got to be people that loan money and there's got to be people that help them find where they want to have that shelter. And so real estate, and all of a sudden, but there's got to be people that, you know, make windows and, you know, install windows and, but, oh, and we need food. Okay. There's got to be people that, got to be people that flip burgers and there's got to be people out here that raise cows. And there's, I mean, if you really think about it, right, everything that we do, every job, you know, removing garbage from the neighborhood so that it doesn't rot and bring in disease, everything is in some way fulfilling and partnering with God, his commandment to take care of the planet and to help the world go around. God wants his sons and daughters and his marketplace ministers to have a winning attitude when it says, you know what? Work is not a curse to be fought. It's a blessing to be revealed. I'm gonna say that again. Work is not a curse we have to fight. It's a blessing we get to reveal because in Jesus, he redeemed that. Yes, the ground was cursed with Adam and Eve, but Jesus came, took back the keys, said, now my kids, my sons and daughters, my chosen partners in the marketplace can show the world what it looks like to be walking in the blessing and the character and the grace of God right there where you are. I'm telling you what, it's a powerful, powerful thing when that happens. Here's the deal. He also gives us an unusual motivation, and that is love. It's very unusual, right? If you've been in the marketplace any amount of time, you probably have found that a lot of people that we interact with have a fatherless mindset. We were just singing a few minutes ago, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. We're singing those words and I hope they sunk into your spirit because God wants you to know that, that he's a good father and he loves you and he's going to provide for you. And so what happens is out of that, 
mindset of sonship comes a mentality of abundance and plenty. What the world has over here without knowing that there's a good, good father who loves them, there's a mentality of scarcity. There's not enough. There's not enough to go around. I gotta get mine. I gotta elbow somebody. I gotta kick somebody. I gotta scratch and pull them down so I can get mine. I'm gonna get my raise. I'm gonna get my commission. I'm gonna get that contract. We gotta do this. There's not enough. Do you see the difference there? Between an attitude of fear and of scarcity versus an attitude of sonship where we say, you know what? My, my dad's got me, so therefore I can walk in love. And I can say, God, you're gonna take care of me. You know what? If there's only three pastries left behind the Starbucks little glass, you know, counter thing, there's probably a truck in the back. You're probably bringing in a bunch of ham and cheese croissants just for me. I trust you. But Lord, let me love these people around me, right? God is saying, hey, my sons and daughters, you who stood up a moment ago to partner with God in the marketplace, we can walk in love. Now, some of us think this means joining the Jerks for Jesus Club, right? You ever had that person? Oh, yeah, come on. They have their big Thompson Chain reference Bible. Comes in a backpack because it's so heavy. Like, sorry, boss, I can't really do any work because my Bible weighs too much. You know, they put it on the big lunchroom, you know, table. And man, they're out there. I am quoting your scripture, God. Thank you that I'm not a sinner like these, you know. Man, I'll tell you what, I had somebody in a lumber yard that I worked at that was kind of like that. Everybody, you know, they would come into the lunchroom all, hey, everybody. Don't wake him up. He'll talk to us about the Bible. Get their lunch. They're like, okay. Right? God's like, man, I don't know if you, you know, he's kind of like, I do not think that word means what you think it means. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wisdom from Princess Bride. He's like, I don't think that approach is working the way you think it's working. Because I believe love starts with listening. I believe love starts with listening. It's not, oh man, woo, I went to church yesterday. I'm all filled up with the word of God. So I'm just looking for a, a, a nameless victim. Oh God, you know, I'm like a shark waiting to bite somebody with the love of Jesus. Ha, hallelujah. No, it starts with listening. It starts with just saying, you know what? God gave me two ears, one mouth. Maybe I should use them proportionately. Those of you who know me know I'm a work in progress. So just stretch forth your hands. But Trying to get the principle of what I'm saying here. You know, we're not like, ah, ha, ha, I got you cornered. I'm going to give you the word of God and give you. It's called, maybe I can listen. Maybe I can say, wow, I wonder, maybe whether they're talking to me or maybe it's a conversation happening there, but I can go, oh, wow, what are they concerned about? What are they going through? What are they worried about? What are they celebrating? What are they happy about? What's going on? Are they happy, just married and woo, looking with hope into the future? Or are they going through a separation or maybe a divorce or What's going on with our kids? What's going on with our health? I mean, so many different things, right? That if we just, we'll put ourselves in a place of love and say, I want to listen, not just to the words. <gasps> they said a bad word. Did you hear that, God? They said a bad word. Are you going to judge them? Oh, later. Okay. <sighs> now? No. It's listening with love. And God can then impart and give us an opportunity to be praying, first of all, possibly long before a word is ever spoken out of our lips. And maybe in the future, there'll be an opportunity to speak a word of, of, of truth, a word of mercy, a word of kindness that brings them to repentance. You see, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words because we're always, as God's marketplace ministers, bringing his love to everybody who surrounds us.
Here's the deal. When we begin to respond to God that way, say yes to him, let him change our mindset towards work, let him give us you know, a new attitude and motivate us with his love and understand how he's made us uniquely, he adds his secret sauce to it. This is where it even gets more fun. You want God's secret sauce in your life? Tell you what, it's awesome when he does this. The first thing he begins to do is say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna give you favor. I'm gonna give you added favor because God has enough favor to get you into the place of influence that he wants you to be. You hear me? God's got enough favor to get you into whatever place of influence. It might be entry level, coworker. It might be mid-level management. It might be the owner of the company. Whatever it is, God's got enough favor to get you there and he's got enough favor to keep you there as long as he needs to for you to fulfill his purposes. He did it with people like Joseph in the Bible, right? I'm not gonna read it, but if you look at Joseph chapters 39 through 41, it's an incredible story. This guy is betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, gets taken to Egypt, right? He's a Hebrew and ends up serving in a guy's household named Potiphar. He's the captain of the guard. And, but it says God blessed him. The Lord was with him. God gave him favor. All of a sudden, before he knows it, he's in charge of the whole household. Then he gets framed, you know, because the guy's wife kind of has eyes for him. So he ends up going to jail. But there before long, the jailer puts him in charge because you just can't stop a person who's partnering with God to reveal his glory and his character and his love. You just can't keep that type of man or woman down. Joseph experienced it. What about Esther? She was a part of arguably one of the largest reality shows in the history of the Bible. Kind of the bachelor on steroids, right? <laughs> the king of Persia trying to find a new wife. And he's like, how about all of the young maidens in the kingdom brought in, you know? But it says that uh, the man who was in charge of the intake of these ladies had favor, special favor upon her and begin to be like, oh yeah, no, you don't want to use that makeup. That's the Kmart stuff. Come here. We'll get you into the Arbonne or some other good stuff, right? Come on, let's, let me help you out here with some, some oils and some, you know, coconut milk or goat milk or whatever it is that they soaked in back then. Anyway, God gives favor and he wants to do the same with you. I put a little asterisk there because obviously we need to remember God's favor doesn't mean that we're never going to make a mistake. We're never going to get in trouble. We're always going to get it right. I mean, hey, we're still human, right? And so there are going to be times when, hey, maybe God allows something in our life to, to be exposed or to be shown. But guess what? Even when that happens, if we know that he loves us, if we know that it's because he wants to make us even more fruitful, even more effective, even more influential in our workplace, we'll have the confidence to push through that stuff. And God wants you, who stood up just a few minutes ago, to know that. He's committed to you and wants to pour out his favor. What about this? God also wants to show you creativity and wisdom. Isn't that important? And everybody's looking for creative solutions. Man, every business, every workplace, every, everywhere in the marketplace. We need, man, how do we do this faster, better, cheaper, whatever, impact more people? There was a man who was born in the South in 1864. He was born into a slave household. And thank God that was towards the end of the Civil War. And very soon, slavery was finished. And he was actually adopted by the family that owned that plantation. And he was given the opportunity to receive an education, went to Iowa State University, I believe, ended up going on staff as a professor at Tuskegee University. 
And it's, the story goes that this particular individual would wake up at four in the morning. Any early risers here, four in the morning? Okay, Hello, campuses. All right, God bless you. You're a frontline warrior right there. Four in the morning, get up and go on walks with God every day. And he would be asking God for wisdom. And one particular day, he asked God, God, show me the secrets of the universe. <laughs> Ambitious prayer, right? God, I want to know the secrets of the universe. And God, probably after chuckling a little bit, like, wow, I can't believe you just said that out loud. But okay. He said, I won't show you the secrets of the universe because you're not big enough for that. But I will show you the secrets of the peanut. <laughs> That's a little more your size. And he did. He went back to his laboratory. God began to reveal to him how to separate the different elements of the peanut into the oils and the proteins and the acids and all the various parts of it. And he came up with 300 different uses for the peanut. His name was George Washington Carver. And it's amazing what he was doing. He had people like Thomas Edison wanting to partner with him in business, offering him $100,000 salary back then. That was a lot of, I mean, it's not bad money now, to be honest. But it was, can you imagine, $100,000 back then? He had people like Joseph Stalin from Russia asking him, how do we get crops to, to grow here to save our people from starvation? Incredible influence. Why? Because he believed the words of Jeremiah 33, verse 3, where God tells his people, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I will give you solutions. I will give you ideas, not just holy ideas. Oh, there's a new way to sing that song. Hallelujah. No, practical, real life business solutions that work in the real world. God is saying, I care about your business. I care about helping people. I care about creativity. I care about the planet. And you're my marketplace minister. I want to do it with you and through you if you'll just say yes to me. In the book of Acts, we read about 40 miracles that took place. It's incredible. If, read the book of Acts if you haven't lately. It's, it's powerful just to read the ways that God showed his power back then in the early church. But if I were to ask you, do you think that God loves more to show his power in the church or God loves more to show his power through the church? What would you answer? I'm sorry, what? Ooh, some smart people in here. I think everybody at Highlands Ranch and at Lakewood were like, in the church. Just kidding, just kidding. I think you're right. I think you're right. Here's, here's one possible reason we can think that. Out of those 40 miracles that are recorded in the book of Acts, do you know how many of them occurred outside the walls of the religious place that had been set apart for worship? 39 39 of 40 miracles occurred out there in the marketplace. One of them occurred in the synagogue, in the place designated for worship. Wow. That's a pretty good ratio, right? 39 to 1. God wants you to know that when you partner with him and say, God, I want the kingdom of God to come right here on the front lines. Yes, they don't smell good, talk pretty, or know their theology. They, they think you don't exist. They think they hate you. They think there's a thousand of you, whatever it might be. But God, you want to show your love and your awesome character right here. 
I have no idea how, but God, I'm willing. When you partner with God, watch out because you're in the hot zone, baby. You are in the place where the power of God gets revealed, where lives are changed, where the miraculous happens. Also, when you choose to say yes to being a marketplace minister, when you choose to receive the calling of God to say, yes, Lord, do this through me. I'm willing, I'm yours. Those of you who stood up at the beginning and said, okay, you're part of something really, really big. You are part of something really big. You see, God's big plan is not that people get saved and put their trust in him and go to heaven. I'm gonna say that again. God's big plan is not to save individuals and have them go to heaven. You're like, it isn't? What is it then? Ah, no, heresy. What's going on? God's big plan is to invade every aspect of society with his presence, with his love, with his righteousness, with his character. Every aspect. Some have identified it as seven different areas. Government, family, church, education, media, entertainment, health industry. God wants to invade every fiber and have people see what does Jesus look like in those clothes? Think about that. For the people that you work with that are in your sphere of influence in the marketplace, they're probably never gonna come in here and hear me speak or Pastor John or you know, you're not gonna be able to drag them over here. Oh, here's somebody that can. They're looking at you and you have an opportunity in the hand of God to show them what Jesus looks like as a real estate agent, as a nurse, as a pallet maker, as a doctor, as a builder, as a restaurant person, as a caterer, as a mom, whatever it might be, and to do an incredible job because God designs you to do that. His approach may surprise you. God's approach, if he really wanted just to be efficient about getting the word out, I'm thinking he could have probably chosen to do one of those viral videos. You guys watch those on social media or whatever? I know you do. Come on, it's okay. Nobody's judging you here. But you know, those viral videos, everything from, you know, a dog jumping in a swimming pool to, you know, whatever, right? Those, I, I Googled viral videos viewership and it came up somewhere around 12,700,000 people that had watched this particular popular video. So if God wanted to just get the word out as quickly as possible, he could do it 12 million at a time. Boom, 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 right? Ta-da, God's love. Hey, he's an angel breakdancing, you know? I mean, whatever. But he hasn't chosen to do that. God sticks with his preferred method. And you know what that is? It's one by one. It's one conversation. It's one person. It's one situation. It's one hurt. It's one challenge. It's one solution. It's one smile. It's one prayer at a time where lives are truly changed because people see his character, they see his incredible creativity and his power, and they see his love. And God refuses to change his strategy thousands of years later. He's still sticking to his guns. This is how I'm going to do it. Are you in? Do you want to be a vessel in his hand? 
I'm telling you what, it's incredible. He's digging this thing both ways. He's digging this tunnel in two directions. Some of you are in places of influence and authority in your business. Maybe you own it. Maybe you're in senior management and you're able to make some decisions to actively and intentionally bring God into the workplace. Interstate Batteries is that type of company. They've got on their website, man, you Google the corporate part of their site, and man, it's got their values right there, and it's listed. You can see it right here. Their purpose to glorify God and enrich lives as we deliver the most trustworthy source of power to the world. To glorify God by living our values and actively pursuing opportunities to change lives for the better. Then it goes on to say, hey, people will have an opportunity to be a part of biblically-based studies and discussion groups while they value diversity as well. I mean, maybe you're in that type of place where you can make some of those decisions. I want to encourage you, if you are, go to jfc.org, look for the business directory group and sign up. There's incredible things happening as men and women are getting intentional about saying, God, how do you want to show your love to my employees, to my managers, to my vendors, whoever it might be? But then there's a lot of the rest of us who might be on the other side. And God's, God's got us in the part of the tunnel that's digging the other direction. Like, okay, I don't make the rules. I don't really control the environment. But God, I'm here. God wants you to know you're undercover. You're his frontline secret agent right there in your marketplace where he has you. And that's some of the most powerful stuff to say, you know what? They might try to be like, well, we don't, we don't pray around here and we don't post Bible verses on the walls and we don't allow for that kind of stuff. That doesn't stop God. Are you kidding me? He's like, a, he's like a flood. He'll find that little crack and be like, oh, there's somebody who's hurting. And they might not be able to do it on the clock or this or that, but guess what? There'll be an opportunity where you can say a prayer or just tell someone you're gonna make it or God cares about you or I care about you or what can I do to help? How can I serve you and your family? And I'm telling you what, the river of God's love will break through those cracks and find a way to get in. You can't hold God out. You can't stop his love. You can't stop his power from invading when he's got people that say yes to him. You've been given incredible, incredible access. If we had somebody here at the church who I would consider like, oh my goodness, what an incredible eager person. Let's call him eager Ed, right? He comes to church not once, not twice, not three times, four times a month. Gasp. Seriously? He never goes skiing? He never goes hiking? No, only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Anyway, this guy, eager Ed, I'm telling you. And then he gets involved in a Bible study group, an hour and a half on Wednesday nights. Woo, glory. Thank you. All the pastors are like, hallelujah, God, give us a thousand eager Eds. Okay. And then on top of that, he's like, I'm going to email my pastor and could you get together with me for an hour this week and we could, you know, memorize Bible verses together. <gasps> Woo, hallelujah. You know, Eager Ed is spending four hours in a place where he could be discipled every week. That's pretty incredible, right? That's, that's a great opportunity. But here's the deal. God has you, marketplace minister, in a place where you have 40 hours a week to influence people. And I understand it might not be memorizing Bible verses and having prayers together during those 40 hours, but guess what? They're watching you. They're seeing your character. They're seeing the presence of God in your life. They're seeing you in real life, right? Dealing through deadlines, dealing through pressure, working on difficult relationships, solving problems, tired, coffee machine breaks down. What does Jesus look like without caffeine? I mean, right? But it's an incredible, you have a 10 to one ratio of the opportunity and the access that you have 
to people that need to see Jesus in the flesh right there in the marketplace, 10 to one over what I have or any of our full-time pastors. I pray that God opens your eyes to that. As we close today, I wanted to read to you a letter from a lady who is a teacher in a public school system in Aurora. She comes to one of our campuses. And this is a, just an example of how God began to open her eyes of the opportunity she has in the marketplace. He says, I teach 10th grade chemistry at a high school that has immigrants from over 300 nations. Many students are learning English at the same time as they're learning chemistry and other subjects. I have students who were pregnant, and I was glad they were pregnant because that means they didn't abort their babies. I have students who have had immediate family killed by guns or knives. I have students who are heads of household, yes, in 10th grade, because they live with elderly relatives who can't take care of them. I have students that are married. I had a student with lung problems and had episodes where she couldn't breathe. She had one episode while she was being raped and she couldn't cry out. She became pregnant. I have students whose parents tell them that they are stupid or no good, in the student's own words. On top of all these things, I get them to learn chemistry. My job is very tough sometimes, but I know God has placed me in my school. I get to pray for my students every day. I pray that God's presence and love would permeate every corner of my room. My students probably don't know what that is, but I pray they notice a peace in my room. I pray that God would set his angels at the entrance and not let any demons into the room. When I hear the name Jesus Christ proclaimed loudly in my room, I firmly turn to them and say, you'd better be praying when I hear that name. Every Friday, I do what I call Friday photos. I go to the NASA website and find the astronomy picture of the day. I show my students pictures of galaxies, constellations, and nebulae. They didn't know what these were, and so I explain, usually every week, about the vast differences between each of them. One day, two girls asked me, Miss, are you religious? Not wanting to get into a theological dissertation about the difference between being religious and being a Christian, I simply said, yes. Then they asked in their own struggling way, when you die, do you go through all that distance to get to heaven? I had the awesome opportunity to explain that theoretical physicists who are studying string theory, sounds like a chemistry teacher, right? Are trying to prove the existence of alternate dimensions. And it could be that God is right here in front of us, but we can't see him because he exists in one of those dimensions. It could be that angels and demons are in this room right now, but we can't see them because they're in another dimension. Their eyes got big, and they said together, ooh. I pray that one day those girls and anyone else who was in the room that day will remember this conversation and turn to God. God has placed students from all over the world right in my lap, and I'm grateful that I can be used by God to reach them without getting fired, of course. Isn't that awesome? That's just an example of one person. Listen, that's happening all around us as you stood at the beginning of the service and you looked around, man, I hope that God began then and is even now putting in your heart a vision of what he's doing. Because here's the deal. They say that each one of us interacts with about 13 to 26 people a day, you know, counting the Uber driver, the server at the restaurant, the receptionist at work, a couple of people we are part of a team with at work, perhaps. And if there's 1,500 people that heard the message this weekend... That means that 19,500 people, 
19,500 people have an opportunity this week to just receive a meaningful touch by God. Might not be a full-fledged sermon with a little organ playing in the background and an altar call, but it's a meaningful touch by one of God's marketplace ministers filled with the love of God, filled with the confidence in who God has made you to be, filled with his wisdom and creativity and his approach in your unique way, not my way, not the person sitting next to you's way, your way that's natural and it's right and it's empowered by God. I'm telling you what, as those people are impacted, think about that, 19,500 people this week impacted with God's love for his glory. What could happen, church? What could happen if we awaken to the possibilities? We could be filling up that Pepsi Center in a couple of weekends if we're not careful because of what God can do. Here's the deal. Under your seats is a piece of paper. It's a certificate of calling. In Ephesians chapter four, verse one, it says this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. My prayer is that as we have been sitting here together in God's presence today, that God has been confirming in your heart, I have called you. You are my marketplace minister. Every one of you who stood up, you are my partner to invade and transform the marketplace and make it look like heaven. Filled with my love, my joy, my hope, my servant's heart, my listening ear one for another. And if that's you, I want you to take that with you today and find a time where you can sign that, date it. Maybe you want to put it in your drawer. Maybe you want to put it on your wall somewhere. Maybe you want to frame it, put it on your desk, whatever it might be. But just a place that can remind you on a regular basis, hey, you are God's marketplace minister. You are called by God. And you're saying, yes, Lord, use me to reveal you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your incredible love. I thank you so much for the wisdom of your plan that includes apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers, but has given us the commission to equip your people, your frontline warriors, your marketplace ministers for the work of the ministry. And your power is at their disposal every day. God, I pray that you would stir their hearts, that you would spark their faith, that you would activate their trust in you and their calling to this mission because lives are in the balance. God, I pray that for months and years to come, we would see the fruit, we would hear the stories. I pray, God, that it would be so incredible what you do in this region and even to the ends of the earth because a man or a woman hearing a message on this weekend said, yes, God, I believe you want to do that. Here I am. Let's do it together. Bless your sons and daughters. Speak to every heart. Give us the first step. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.